Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. It's that month, it's that, you know, Valentine's, that lovely holiday that some of us love, some of us hate, some of us just don't really care about it, but... We're going to talk a little bit about it over the next couple of weeks, and um, our theme is Connect the Dots, and today we're talking about a love triangle. But as we talk about love and, and relationships, this isn't necessarily just for a married couple. So I want you to think about that today, that really, when we talk about relationships, this can apply to a relationship with a parent, a relationship that you have with friends, um, we are talking about it in light of relationships today, but I want you to remember that as we're talking about it and be thinking about the fact that this can apply, apply to friendships as well. Um, so my, my question is, do you know what the key to a great relationship is? Some of us are like, I have no clue. Communication, Communication that's a pretty good key. Um, it's interesting to me, uh, when you stand in the line at a grocery store, you can read about the keys to great relationships, right? from really good, reliable sources, uh-huh. People Magazine, uh, InSource, I'm trying to think of some of the titles that stand there with really great titles like, look inside, you'll find out how to have a good relationship. That's a good source to go to, right? Um, it amazes me how, though as a society, we chuckle at that in here, but when we think about it, that's, that is a source that we run to as a society. We look to celebrities and we look to famous people for how to love. That's a problem. Because I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but the track record is not really that great. Um, some of them, they're lucky to stay married for a few months or a few years. And yet, we take their, we're like, I wanna love like they do. Man, we're messed up. I looked up titles that we can buy, right, to help us um, know what to do about relationships. I actually was laughing out loud, and Jeremy's like, what are you working on? And I'm like, I'm working on the sermon. And he's like, what are you laughing at? I said, um, I think we should get this book. It says, Dr. Romance's Guide to Finding Love Today. <laughs> that sounds like a reliable doctor, doesn't it? Dr. Romance. That sounds like a smutty romance, not some doctor who's given me wisdom on how to love. Um, the next one, a tactical guide to women. How men can manage dating and ri or risk, uh, manage risk and dating and in dating and marriage. A tactical guide to women. Good luck. Um, what? What? Yeah, I, we're not going to go there. I could go a long time. Um, how about this one? A book about love. That sums it up, right? I don't know, there are countless books that we can read, we can turn to when we're looking for help in marriage and when we're looking for good relationship advice. And in fact, at our Affection Connection, which I'm gonna talk a little bit more about later, excuse me, 
uh, when we talk about affection connection this Friday night, we are actually gonna have a list of those books for you. Just some good suggestions to say, do you wanna know some more about a good relationship? Pick one of these up, they're great books. They're tried and true books on, on just great advice for couples and, and for relationship building. So we're gonna give you those. However, I wanna talk to you about the greatest book that you can look at for wisdom on marriage, the Bible. But how many of us is that the first source that we go to when we're struggling in a relationship? Not enough. Did you know that the key, the key to a great relationship is you? We blame failed relationships sometimes on everything but us. We are the key to a good relationship. Um, I know this seems maybe self-centered to say that this is, that's the key, that I'm the key to a good relationship or you're the key to a good relationship, but it's true. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says this. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We've been talking about neighbors and, and loving our neighbors and loving and sitting at the table together, but I wanted to hit this ho home that I said this before, your neighbor is also the person who's in your home right next to you. Your neighbor starts with, for those of you who are married in here, your spouse. Your neighbor starts with your children, your best friend. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't be successful in any relationship the way it's intended to be if your relationship with the Lord is not right. God wants us to love him first and foremost. Um, we can be pretty self-centered people. Anybody, anybody willing to admit that? Come on, raise your hand. Who's willing to admit I can be a self-centered person? The rest of you are lying, but okay. Um, we can be self-centered people. Um, until we learn to love God wholly, until we learn to love ourselves the way that God created us to. When we love as God created us to, then we turn around and we can love others that same way. This is true in our relationships. As I was preparing for today and, and thinking about the title of today, um, Love Triangle. I thought, oh, that, you know what, in most of your minds, when I said a love triangle, that does not conjure, conjure a good um, image in your mind when I talk about a love triangle. Today's love triangle is one that you want to step into. So I've asked Jeremy um, to be my easel today. I went looking for an easel this morning and said, everyone said, we've never had one around here, so you like my easel? He's probably going to go buy an easel this week, just so you know. Um, okay. <laughs> So for all intents and purposes, here's our triangle, our love triangle this morning. And if you look real closely, here's Jeremy. Here's Christy. I cut up a picture that I had just ordered this week because I needed our heads on something. And then that's Jesus. That's Christ. So here's this love triangle that we have. Um, I wanted you to have this tangible example. Um, if Jeremy and I are moving towards each other, so if we're just going back and forth and we're trying to move towards each other, we're missing an important element of our triangle. If all we do is this, is just go back and forth, well, we're kind of erasing our path, which kind of has a message of its own. 
Um, if Jeremy's main focus is, you can go ahead, I'll let you do it. Thanks, good job, <laughs> Vanna. Um, if Jeremy's focus, though, is, is, un, is moving over to me, if Jeremy continually comes over my way, see, he went the wrong way, I should have kept doing it. If he's working on coming over to me and trying to push me toward the Lord, if that's Jeremy's focus, guess what? It's not right. Jeremy can't push me toward the Lord. That's my decision. He can encourage me, which is important in a relationship, but if all of his focus is on trying to, you know, like get down on his hands and knees so that I can step up and get closer to the Lord, he's being trampled down. His focus isn't where it's supposed to be. Jeremy instead needs to work toward the Lord. As I'm seeking to be whole and to live a relationship the way the Lord intended, I need to move toward the Lord. Guess what happens when we do that? Because we, I think when we think of, of a relationship, the first thing we think is grow close together. But we need to think in terms of a triangle, yeah, grow close together, but guess what? We're growing up. And we're growing up. And we're growing up until, check us out. Guess what? Now, rather than Jeremy trying to stand underneath me and, and climb down so that I can stand on his back, now we're in this close triangle, so you know what we can do? We can link arms. And guess what? When we link arms, guess who's right in the center of us? Christ is right in the center of us. So now, Jeremy can support me, and he can hold me up, because he's worked toward the Lord where he needs to be. And I've grown in my relationship to the Lord where I need to be. But the best part about this is now we are tight-knit and Christ is right in the center of what we do. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. You can set it down in front there so they can still see it. I'm going to put that like little magnet on our fridge. I don't, I don't even think our fridge is magnetic, but anyway. We both need to focus on our relationship with Christ. When we do this, we move toward him and we move towards each other. Christ becomes that center of what we do. One of the things that Jeremy and I have had conversations about over the years in our premarital counseling is how many couples come into our appointments totally ready for the wedding, right? And then when they sit down with us, they wanna sit down and talk about um, where the flowers are gonna go that day and where, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this, I had a bride sit down with me and say, there are nine mothers gonna be at this. This one has to sit here, this one has to sit here, this one has to sit in the back. Literally gave me the floor plan of where all the moms could sit. Well, first of all, my heart broke for this bride, to which I then said, and she said, and please don't let these two talk because there'll be a fight if it happens. Okay, they, they come into our office totally prepared for the wedding day. And then they, when they sit down with us, they quickly realize that's not what we're at premarital counseling for. We have come into premarital counseling to help you prepare for your marriage, not just that one wedding day. We do a really good job. Couples spend 90%, they, they spend 90% of their time talking about the wedding day and probably about 10% talking about the, the, the actual marriage. When they get to us, they're shocked to learn that we're ready to spend 90% of our counseling talking about marriage and 10% about the wedding day. I'm gonna help you with the details, but that's gonna take us 30 minutes to lay it all out. 
because I've been in this business for a long time of coordinating weddings. So we got that. What we don't have is that we haven't had some pretty deep conversations, some pretty pointed conversations about what your relationship is going to look like beyond that one day. We talk often about, we talk about marriage, we talk about finances, we talk about um, family dynamics, because how many would agree with me, oh man, when you bring two families together in a marriage, whoo, it is a challenge. Some of you are like, I don't know that challenge, and some of you are going, amen, you just don't want to admit it. Um, but seriously, when Jeremy and I went through marriage counseling, um, one, we went through a test of a personality test, and we sat down with our counselor. Um, I laugh. We have a man, Dan Qualls, in church, and um, my marriage counselor was Dan Qualls. So when the day I met Dan Qualls, I was like, "Hey, that was our marriage counselor." Anyway, um, so Dan Qualls sat down with Jeremy and I, and one of the things that Dan said to us, he said, "I want to talk about the the potential areas of growth in your marriage." You like that potential areas of growth? Those are actually weaknesses. We've learned that, but. So he shared with us that one of those potential areas of growth was, was the fact that we came from very different families. And he said, you're going to have to learn how to navigate two very different families. And you're going to have to blend those families into one family, your family. And then the other thing he said is, you're going to have to learn how to navigate the fact that you've both come from different denominations. What does that look like to have a marriage blended from two different denominations. Of course, we're like, we got this. And it, we did. We navigated it pretty well. But it was not without its stressful moments. I should have Jeremy tell you about... We're going to interject a story here. I'm going to let him take the microphone and stand up here and tell you a story, one of these moments. He's like, what am I telling them? About packing. He's got it. This is one of those examples of blending families and family styles. This is so um, dumb, you guys, seriously. So dumb. But it's so real. But it maybe started some pretty fired up moments. Yeah. I'm the fiery one, okay? I'm sure you're all shocked at that, but But share. I had my moments. Go on, yeah. Well, it wasn't too long after we had gotten married and we were taking a trip somewhere. And I was packing the suitcase. Simple thing, right? I thought it was the trunk. Anyway. No, it was first the, the suitcase. And I remember I was packing it just right, and Christy comes along and says, that's not how you pack a suitcase. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? The suitcase is getting packed. This is how we pack a suitcase. And she said these words. Well, that's not how my dad did it. Don't say that. And I looked at her and said, I'm not your dad. And we had to navigate. We both have these ideas about how things are supposed to work. But until you blend those two together, and it, it was stuff that we didn't even think we would have to deal with, but stuff that we do have to talk about. And in that moment, we all had, we had to realize that there are good ways to, to deal with this. And just like all of you, when you bring two different lives together, you have to come to a place where you realize there is give and take, and that it's not about 50-50. It's about 100 and 100. And so it's about us all figuring out how to give 
to give more than it is to take and receive. Thank you. I got more stories. You want no, me to tell those? No, have a seat. Okay. <laughs> we'll save some. Okay. So we talked to, one of the most important things I think that we talked to couples about in premarital counseling, though, is their relationship with the Lord. Now, we've, we've done weddings for a lot of couples over the years who have nothing to do with the church. And so they're kind of shocked when they sit down with us that we're actually going to ask them a question, what's your relationship with the Lord like? Because God intends a marriage to be three, a triangle. He wants to be at the center of your marriage. And if you want a successful marriage, that's where he has to stay. And it can't be where you're both coming to one side or you're going back and forth. It has to be where you're moving up toward Christ together. Teens, I want to talk to you guys for a second. I, I gave you a heads up. I said, listen to me today because I've got a whole, a whole little thing just for you guys. I could have weeks of a whole thing just for you guys, but this is what I want to say. God wants the best for you in relationships. The best, you guys. Um, one, I, I, my youth pastor used to share a lot of great things, but one of the things that she shared with me that I shared over the years as we were in youth ministry is this, never settle for second best. Never settle. If you're in college in here, this applies to you too. If you're single in here, this applies to you. Don't settle. God loves you so much, and he desire, but the thing is, he desires a relationship with you. He wants you to tell him your hopes and your dreams and yell your frustrations at him. He wants to hear what it is that your heart desires. We challenge um, our kids from a young age to start praying for their future spouse. I challenge you the same thing. God, I pray that if you would have me to be married, I, this is what I pray for. Here's, I'm praying for this person. I don't, maybe I know them, maybe I don't, but start praying for that person. Did you know that God desires for your relationships to honor him? We, um, as I said, we could spend weeks talking about this, but your decisions right now as a teenager affect, your decisions and relationships right now are going to affect your relationships for the rest of your life. They're going to impact the way that you look at relationships from here on out. Make sure that God is the center of your heart before you give your heart to anyone. Because if God is the center of your, of your heart, then he's going to protect you. And he's going he's gonna to help you navigate a relationship. But if God's not the center of your heart, then your relationships are going to struggle. My youth pastor used to say this, every date is a potential mate. I laughed as I shared that with our worship team this morning. A couple of them cringed a little bit like, ooh, let's not think that way. But I, I do want you to think that way. Because this is the line that followed what our youth pastor said. Jeannie would say, every date is a potential mate, but every date is also someone else's potential mate. Imagine with me for a minute, you're standing in a room watching a guy or a girl with the person who's going to be your future mate. And you see the way they speak to them, or the things that they're doing with them, or the ways that they hurt them or play with their emotions. My guess is if you knew that was going to be your future mate, you would be furious. Don't do that to someone else's future mate either. Treat every date the way you hope and pray that your mate is being treated right now. With honor, with respect, 
with dignity and with Christ-honoring behavior. Yeah, but nope, do it. It's that simple. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw this in there because, you know, we're talking about love and relationships and, and some pretty, next week is going to be even a little bit more um, upfront in your face a little bit, but I will say this. Um, if that means that the two of you are on, alone on a date and you're like, oh, but, but, but I have these standards that I've set, go home. Don't find yourselves alone. We were in a relationship, we know. There were nights where it was like, you better go home. Because we set some goals for ourselves that we wanted to, we wanted to hold to, but we're still red-blooded humans. We liked each other a lot. And it was like, go home. Okay? We're going to step in, I'm gonna, this is when, um, another example, when stepping into another triangle is a good thing. Because again, most of the time a love triangle is not a good thing, and stepping into somebody else's love triangle is even worse, Right? Yeah, really stepping into anyone else's triangle can be a dangerous thing. But I want to talk to you today about when stepping into another triangle is a good thing. When our relationships are founded on biblical principles, and when they're supported by those around us in the faith community, they're more likely to be healthy and satisfying. We can get so busy with life that we forget to keep Christ the center of our relationships. And here's another thing that, that we've noticed over the last two decades in ministry, and that is that people in the church hide their marriage struggles from each other for fear of what someone else is gonna think. People don't want to admit that I'm struggling in my marriage because I teach Sunday school class and I can't let someone know that we're struggling. Or I greet people on Sunday morning and they can't know that I'm dealing with something. Baloney. It's not true. We give each other happy church answers. You know, we come up to each other and, and I'm going to call you out, Megan. I'm going to say, hey, Megan, how you doing? And, and sometimes we give each other these happy church answers like, oh, we're blessed. We're struggling, but it's for the Lord. We're going to be okay. Baloney. All the while, we are dying inside trying to figure out if our marriage is going to survive the current battle we find ourselves in. One of my favorite images and one of my favorite stories in the Bible comes from Moses, from the book of Exodus. Exodus 17, 11 through 13 says this, as long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites won. But when he put his arms down, the Amalekites started winning. When Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Hur brought a stone to sit him on. While they stood beside him, and he they held up his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down. In this way, Joshua defeated the Amalekites. Why did they do it? As long as his arms went down, they were losing. As long as his arms were up, they were winning. But he grows tired on his own, and guess what? Sometimes he needs someone else to come over to him and to grab his hand and to hold it up and say, I've got you in this. Amen. And church, that's what we're here for, is to walk up to each other and say, hey, I've got you in this. I want to help you through this. 
I say this often and I'm gonna say it again this morning. Look around at each other right now. Turn around, look at each other. Look behind you, look back at our teens. I don't care, look wherever you want right now. This, this room, these people are your marital and relationship support team. Man, what a team. Think about that. Come stand up here again. This is fun. This is years that he's done this kind of stuff with me and now I get to do it to him. Okay, so, but seriously, you're struggling in your marriage. Think about this image for a minute, okay? The world is out here. We're struggling. But guess what we've got behind us, people? We've got a whole army holding our arm up saying, you've got this. But what it takes is us being real, thank you, is us being real with each other. That's the hard part. We have to be able to support one another each in our marriages because the battle rages against marriage. Don't hide your struggles. Share it with someone before it's too late. This is another thing that has frustrated us over the years is that couples will come to us and say, we're struggling. But really what we're learning is when they come to us to say we're struggling, it's we're getting a divorce. It's not we're struggling, we wanna work this out. They come to us when the decision is made to end it. My challenge in your relationships and your marriages is go to someone before those kinds of decisions are made. I know we've shared tidbits of a story with you about our friends Chris and Abby. And I'm gonna share that again. I want you to kind of hear the whole story. This is a couple that I met through a business that I had outside of church. And they weren't really going to church anywhere. And they were living together and, and we had a meeting one night to, to wrap up something that we had done. And I said, why don't you come meet me at the church? I've got service tonight. We can meet before that. So she came in and we, it, was, it was only gonna take us you know, half hour to wrap up this, this deal that we had to do. But when we finished, she began to ask me questions. Well, tell me about your church. Well, tell me about what happens here. Do you guys do weddings? And she started to ask these questions all about her relationship. And I said, well, tell me about your, your boyfriend. What do you guys want? What are your hopes and dreams? She's like, well, we wanna get married, but we gotta have money first. Okay, I've heard that one before. And we wanna make sure that, that we're all set up and we're ready and I'm like, I'm gonna break something to you. You're never gonna be fully ready. Well, we wanna make sure we know each other. I wanna break something else to you. You're never gonna fully know them before you marry them. Never, no matter how much you think. Okay. So we began to live life with this couple. We began to have them over to our home and, and just share with them. And, and it wasn't very long into it that they came to us and said, um, we're getting engaged. And of course we're like, yeah. And they're like, we, will you do our premarital counseling? We will. So when I talk about being real with people, I'm gonna tell you what we did with them. We said, okay, we'll be real with you, but we have a challenge for you. We said, um, we want your wedding night to be more special than what every night is right now. So our challenge to you is this, don't sleep with each other. Now this is like eight months out. Don't sleep with each other until your wedding night. No, seriously, do it. I'm gonna ask you about it too. 
guess what? They took us up on that challenge. Few couples have actually taken us up on that challenge, but they did. She would text me and go, I am sleeping in the guest room right now with the door locked. Good, do it. <laughs> or he would text and say, oh my word, this is so hard. Yep. But your wedding night is going to be exciting because you did it. So we began to navigate this with them. Their wedding day, oh my word, I've never cried so much at someone's wedding that wasn't my own. It was a happy day. It was a day of celebration. They were the sweetest thing on their wedding day. So they get married. It's awesome. Fast forward about eight months, or yeah, move ahead about eight months. Get a phone call. I'm done from her. Why are you done? I'm just done. I found out he's struggling with something. And he's been struggling with it for a long time. I said, I'll meet you at lunch today. Here's where we're meeting. Jeremy's going to be with me. Okay? She sits down at the table across from us. And she sits down in front of us. <laughs> I didn't even know if I can get mine off. I can't. We're just going to leave it. Her hand is bare at the table in front of us. First thing I notice because she's got a big rock. I said, where's your ring? Now, here's the thing. I had built a relationship with her to where I could ask her these kinds of things. That's an important thing in the church. We have to build relationships with each other so that we can ask tough questions. So I said to her, where's your ring? She said, I'm done. And I said, no, you're not. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go back home and put that ring back on. Because you made a commitment, for better or for worse, in sickness and health, till death do you part. So I want you to go home, and I want you to put that ring back on. And I want to help you figure out how to help him through this. Because there is nothing more that the devil wants than to see the two of you broken and divorced. But there is nothing more than Christ wants is to celebrate and say, in your face, devil, they made it through this one. And I said, but here's the deal. It's not just going to be us. I'm pulling another couple in from the church because I believe that they can invest in your marriage too. So I said, here's the date. We want him there, and this couple's going to be there. So the six of us sat down now. Call it intervention. Call it whatever you want. But we said, this is, we're going to work through this with you guys. This is a struggle that you have. Okay, there's accountability with two men in the church now. And yeah, you're struggling with your husband in this. Here's my phone number. You text me, you call me, you do whatever you want. We'll meet whenever you need to. Because why? We believe in your marriage that much. Fast forward four years. They have a beautiful little girl. Her name is Lucy. She's the most precious thing in the world. They defied the odds of marriage, people. I messaged them this week, and I said, they're building a house. How many of you have ever built a home? It can be a little stressful, right? Okay, they're building a house, and they're doing most of the work themselves. So I messaged, I said, hey guys, how's marriage? How's your intimacy? And what I love now is I don't get any baloney answers from them. He laid it out in a text. Here's how we're doing to which Jeremy and I followed up with a text. Okay, here's the deal. Put all the house plans down. Put all the projects down. They'll wait. Your marriage needs some investment. Leave Lucy with grandma and grandpa. Leave her with anyone. She's the happiest baby ever. Leave her with them. And 
go out together. Talk about why you fell in love with each other. Talk about what matters in your relationship. Ask each other questions, how's your relationship with Christ? And then go home, do what married couples do. Sometimes those things are tough for us to say to one another, but guess what, they're important. And we have to be able to have those conversations with people. I don't want to be sitting at a table. We will, trust me, we will sit there if, if it's the too far gone conversation. But we would rather sit at a table with a couple who says, we don't want to get to that point of brokenness too far gone. So please hear me say that. If you're in this room and you're saying, we just need someone right now. In my relationship, in my marriage, we need to sit down and talk to someone. Please hear me say, come to us. We want to fight for you. I've said that to Chris and Abby over and over again. I want to fight for you when you're too tired to fight for yourself. I want to step into your love triangle. We want to hold you two up toward Christ and say, Lord, you know what you want for this marriage. So we're going to fight with them. Ask questions like this of your friends. I dare you. Some of you are going to like maybe be embarrassed at this. I want you to sit down at dinner with your friends and I want you to say, how's your marriage? That's an easy one. How's your intimacy? How do you fight with each other? It's okay to fight. It's okay to get angry. But how, how do you work through those things? How's your sex life? Ooh, that's a tough one. But the reality is God created it we got to be able to help each other through these things. Pointed questions, I know. Open, raw, honest conversations with friends. We've had those, and we don't regret it. I'm tired of hearing that our friends' marriages have broken up. I'm tired of hearing that pastor friends of ours throw in the towel with each other because they spent so much time investing in their ministry that they forgot to invest in one another. Uh-uh. I'm tired of hearing about couples who invest so much time in their work or in their kids that they forget to invest in one another. If you have not left your kid with a babysitter to go on a date, I'm going to volunteer it again. I will babysit your kid. Please go on a date. Do not invest so much in your child that when it comes time for your kids to leave home that you have nothing left and you don't know the person you live with. That is not what God intends. Your kid's going to be healthy and fine without you. They're going to learn to survive without mom or dad by their side all the time. John 13, 34 says this, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. We do need to love each other and ask those tough questions. Christ asked those questions. Read the Bible. Christ asked questions of people all throughout the Bible. He sits with the woman at the well and he says, yeah, but the, the man you're now with isn't your husband. Y'all, those are tough questions, but he, if he did it and we're supposed to live like him, guess what? We should be asking those tough questions of one another. What if 
your willingness to ask a tough question of a friend is that very thing that stops them from complete and total brokenness. Don't miss those opportunities. What have you been conditioned to believe about relationships? I wanna read you a story. I laughed, we were looking at this story and there were videos of this story but they were a little hard to understand. Jeremy offered to read it with the accent but I told him no, I would just read it normal today. We have fun at our house prepping for sermons. We, yeah. Anyway, so here's the story. It says this. It's about an elephant. There's a story about a man. As he was passing some elephants, suddenly he stopped, confused by the fact that these huge creatures were being held only by a small rope tied to their front leg. No chains and no cages. It was obvious that the elephants could at any time break away from their bonds, but for some reason, they didn't. He saw a trainer nearby and he asked why these animals just stood there and made no attempt to get away. Well, the trainer said, when they were very young and much smaller, we used the same size rope to tie them at that age. It's enough to hold them. As they grow up, they're conditioned to believe that they can't break away. They believe that that rope still holds them in place, so they never try to break free. The man was amazed. These animals could at any time break free from their bonds, because, but because they believed that they couldn't, they were stuck right where they were. Like the elephants, how many of us go through life hanging on to a belief that we can't do something simply because we failed at it once before? I think every one of us can relate to this story and the feeling of having failed at something or another over the years. Over time, we can begin to think that we're not capable of doing a particular thing. Maybe someone told us we can't. And so we accept this as truth and we limit ourselves to a very confined world because we're tied to that rope. We think to ourselves, mm, I tried it before and it didn't work. What's the point of trying again and wasting my time? So I have some questions for you this morning. Do you believe that your relationships are doomed because of past mistakes that you've made? Do you believe that you can never have a healthy relationship because you've never had a good example of what one looks like? Do you believe that your marriage cannot be salvaged because of the things that have gone wrong between the two of you? Do you think that it would just be better if you weren't together anymore? That would take care of things and the kids will be okay. Do you believe that you'll never have a good relationship? Do you believe that maybe you should just settle a little bit because that person's as good as it's gonna get and you're lonely? Do you believe that intimacy and a great relationship just die off after a while in marriage? Do you struggle with intimacy when you get married, married because of all the things that you've been taught in the church growing up? This is a tough one that I talk about as the church. 
we do a good job of telling people n to wait till they're married to have sex, but we don't do a good job of talking about how awesome God created it to be in marriage. And I tell you the truth when I tell you that Jeremy and I have seen couples get married unable to function because of conditioned beliefs that the church planted in their hearts. This morning, God wants to cut your rope. He's in the business of redemption and restoration, and he wants us to flourish in our relationships. During this next song, I want you to listen to them. I want you to listen to it, and I want you to think about it. What is it that you've been conditioned to believe will always be the way it is in your relationship? Some of you, as I started talking about the conditioning, you know right away what it is. It, it hits you. Some of you might need some extra time to think about it. If you know what it is, this is my challenge for you. During this song, there's going to be four people, and they're going to come on up here right now. There's going to be four people up here with a pair of scissors. I want you to come cut your rope this morning. I want you to cut it off, because, and then I want you to hear, as you're cutting that off, I want you to hear God say, you are not tied to that rope. That conditioned belief is not true. It's a lie. You can either lay your rope down and say, I'm not tied to that anymore. Or you can take it with you as a reminder and put it somewhere in your house so that when you start to think that again, you look at that cut rope and say, no, God says, I am not tied to that anymore. And you claim victory over that. If you don't know what that is, I want you to do this. I want you to take your rope home. I want you to leave it on your wrist this week. And I want you to think about it. God, what is that? What am I tied to? And if at some point this week you know it, cut it off in the middle of the week. Call me and say, Chrissy, come meet me and cut this off of my wrist. I'll do it. Because guess what God says? That is not true. Don't believe that lie. <laughs>